That, my friends, is the sound of another sale on Shopify. And let me tell you, when I first started podcasting, I was not thinking about an online store at all. I was just excited that I had figured out how to basically create an audio file and get it out into the universe. I wasn't thinking about the possibilities or what things would look like years on down the road. And now that I'm selling books and decks and meditation scripts, I have found that not only is an online store so important, but it is so easy now that I've discovered Shopify. And Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, whether you're just starting out or maybe you just hit your millionth sale. Shopify has amazing support to help you along the way, and it helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, and it's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And like, honestly, the one thing I wish I would have done differently with my online store is just started it sooner. And Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., And the reason is, is because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. So you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash mindful, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash mindful now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash mindful. Hello and welcome to the Mindful in Minutes podcast, a guided meditations podcast brought to you by Yoga For You. I'm Kelly, and today I'll be leading you through your meditation. So go ahead and get comfortable, settle in, and enjoy your meditation practice. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Mindful Minutes podcast. So this is a special freeform episode in which I'll be sharing thoughts and lessons instead of meditations. So if you're looking for a meditation, you won't find it in this episode, but there will be another new meditation that will come out on Sunday afternoon. If you're listening to this when this episode releases, Sunday, a new episode, a new meditation is coming your way. And this will be the last episode for a few weeks, as then after Sunday, I'll be starting my summer hiatus. So I do this two times a year, once in the summer, and then once around the holidays, when I take this time to reset take a break, clear my mind, and just gather some more inspiration for my meditations, as well as just, you know, focus on myself and my family and and just take kind of that mental, emotional break. So don't panic when you don't see episodes for a few weeks. I'm not gone forever, um, just a couple of weeks. So I'll probably be back right at the beginning of August is the plan right now. And until then, there are tons of old meditations that you can use in the meantime. So seriously, just scroll back. There's over a hundred meditations that you can use. And I get requests all the time for people asking me to cover topics that I've actually already covered or already have more than one meditation for. They're just in the older episodes. So you can go and you can listen to those. The meditations are exactly the same. Some of them you'll know that um, I hadn't quite leveled up my sound equipment yet. It's with my old microphone. Um, before I leveled up and got the one that I have now. But the meditations are still good. And scroll back, listen to the old ones. There's lots of really, really good ones. And of course, there's tons of resources, you know, on the website, um, you know, the free seven-day meditation challenge, 31-day meditation challenge. There's a lot of places to get meditations from me um, during this hiatus. 
And I wanted to share also a couple of announcements because there's some really exciting things happening around here and I wanted to tell you about them. So first, the online meditation teacher training is currently open for enrollment for the summer session. I just opened it. So if you've been dreaming of becoming a meditation teacher, writing guided meditations like I do, or just deepening your practice on a whole new level, this is your chance. So I only open up this course two times a year, once in the summer, once in the winter. So the next time you'll be able to join this course um, won't be until winter of 2021. So if you want to learn more about this course, you can listen to an episode that I actually released um, on February 1st, and it's called My Meditation Teacher Journey. And I tell you all about the course, why I designed it, what inspired me to make it, what you can expect all the things. So enrollment is going to be open until June 20th of 2020. So that is just a little over a week. And yep, you can click the link in the show notes. You can go to the website, send me an email, all the things. I also announced all of my summer training. So I'm really excited because this summer I'll be offering each of my signature offerings. I'll be doing one each month. So enrollment's open for um, meditation teacher training now. And then I'll be doing two live virtual trainings since travel and everything is still a little bit up in the air. So I'll be offering a restorative yoga teacher training on July 11th through 12th, and then a yoga ninja teacher training on August 8th through 9th. So two weekend trainings, and I'll put the link in the show notes. You can also go to the website, and if you go to the top where it says trainings, then, you know, in the pull down menu, you can get all the information. Enrollment is open for all three of these. So it's just the meditation teacher training that you only have until the 20th. And the rest are open just until spots are gone. And the spots are very, very limited for those live trainings. So if you want to learn this summer, this is your chance. I'm really excited to get to do this and still be able to teach, even though, you know, there's a lot of things that are unknown right now. So yeah, click link in the show notes, uh, go to the website, shoot me an email, info at yogafuelline.com. And I'm happy to answer any questions that you have for you. And I would love, love, love to have um, some of you join in any of those trainings, maybe all of them, maybe you're feeling really crazy and you want to learn all the things. That's cool too. Um, I sometimes like to do that. I kind of go, I kind of go all out and, you know, really just probably do all the things. <laughs> So yeah, that's it for announcements. So now I want to get on with the episode. So this might be my most personal episode yet, which um, is kind of equal parts terrifying and vulnerable, but also a little bit empowering. Um, So long story short, I turned 30 yesterday. So yesterday I kissed my 20s goodbye and I stepped into my 30s. And I have had a lot of people asking me, how I feel about turning 30, if I'm doing okay, was I sad, Um, and honestly, completely honestly, no, I wasn't sad, I was doing totally okay, I wasn't sad, I felt good about it, and I wasn't having a crisis about saying goodbye to my 20s, and, and it really wasn't hard for me to step into my 30s, and I honestly think the reason why is that I didn't, I, I really felt like I lived my 20s to the fullest. And that's something that I'm really happy about, I'm really grateful for. And that means, you know, in my 20s, I had the good, the bad, the ugly, the the tragic, the horrible, all the things. And I also feel really grateful for the fact that I was given, you know, the gift of life and that I was able to experience my 20s. And tomorrow is never guaranteed. And the fact that I now get to start a new decade 
I think is a really wonderful, beautiful gift. And I also, I just, I really feel like I did a lot in my 20s and I really embraced the journey. And then when it came to start a new decade, I felt good about what I had done. I felt proud of, you know, how I pushed myself out of my comfort zone and did the things that scared me and lived a life that felt good. And, you know, more than anything, I just was looking forward to starting a new chapter in my life and and what this decade would bring and, and having a lot of gratitude for that. Um, but I did kind of feel inspired to, you know, with anything, when you kind of close one chapter and open a new one, I really felt inspired to reflect on the 20s and lessons that I learned um, and things that, you know, a lot of them are things that I learned the hard way, which is where that vulnerability piece comes in. Um, and so that's what I wanted to share with you. And, um, but I also, something that I just wanted to share on a personal note, um, I think part of the reason why I felt really good about starting a new decade is because it's not only a new decade, you know, it's, it's not only a new chapter, um, but I'm about to completely start a new role in my life as a mother. So until this point, I've been keeping this private for a few reasons, um, but I just, I felt ready to share it and I'm really just moved and excited and feel so blessed. Um, I don't know why I'm feeling emotional about it now. I've, I have known for a very long time, <laughs> but there's something just about sharing this publicly for the first time. Um, but my husband and I are expecting our first child together this November. So, and I just feel really happy and so grateful and I just feel so much in love. I'm having a little baby boy and, um, I just feel really grateful that the universe decided to answer our, our asks and our prayers and, share this baby with us. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's honestly been really easy (laughs) keeping it a secret. Um, I'm about, you know, if you're listening to this when this releases live, I'm about halfway through my pregnancy. Um, it's actually quite easy to hide a pregnancy in the middle of a pandemic and what you required to socially distance. And none of you have really seen me in person. I'm not doing events. I'm not, you know, doing live trainings. Anything that you see me, it's either hearing my voice or basically seeing me like on a Zoom call um, from the collarbone up. So it's actually been pretty easy to keep this (laughs) to myself, but it just felt like um, it was time to share it. And yeah, so I think that's part of the reason too why I felt really good about stepping into my 30s is that it just feels like, you know, I mean, life will be so different. And I feel really good about it. And I feel really happy and blessed and also terrified and all those things. And, you know, I have to be honest, I found out I was pregnant um, literally two days before everything with COVID happened and the world kind of fell apart. So um, I've also been sicker than I think I've ever been in my entire life. I think if you're one of those women right now listening and, you know, you're like, oh, I just love being pregnant. Um, you know, I appreciate that that's how you feel. <laughs> I can't say that, uh, it's been all that pleasant. I've spent a lot of time. Um, actually, I wrote quite a few meditations um, in between uh, puking in my toilet or, you know, for our naps or, you know, the worst headaches I've ever experienced. And I really, truly, I've been I've been very, very sick before in my life. And um, for about the first 16 weeks of my pregnancy, I don't know if it was necessarily worse than the worst sickness I've ever felt, but it definitely tied it. So, Anyways, that's kind of a side note, but um, yeah, so there's just been a lot going on and it was, March was a really wild month and that's why you haven't maybe heard from me as much or seen me posting as much, things like that. Like I really was trying to just sort of do the bare minimum um, and take care of myself and take care of baby and kind of take that time with my family and, um, you know, step into the, the unknown. And I also wanted to just 
let you know that if you're listening to me right now and you're struggling with fertility at the moment, um, or you know, you you're praying for or asking whatever you want to call it for your soul baby to come in and join you, um, know that you're in my heart and that I feel you and I hear you and I personally prefer to keep my journey to pregnancy private and I probably always will. That's something I just would like to keep for myself and between, you know, me and, and my husband. Um, but know that I'm sending you a giant hug and don't give up hope. And I am there for you. If you see someone to talk to, I'm here for you. So, um, yeah, so now that you know that I've been sitting here in my closet behind this microphone, not only with my dog behind me, but also with my little baby boy in my belly, it's probably time to stop, you know, chit-chatting about that stuff and get to the actual meat of the episode. So the last few weeks, I've really been feeling called to reflect on the lessons that I learned over the past decade. And I feel like just in general, your 20s are tough and they're transformative and they're also an incredible time to learn and make mistakes and embrace uncertainty and do the wrong things and learn the lessons. So originally I wanted to share 30 things that I learned before I was 30, um, but then I quickly realized that both you and I would be here for forever if I did that. So I decided just to share 10 of the biggest lessons that I learned from the past decade and just be really open and honest with all of you. And um, these certainly aren't the only things that I learned. I mean, when I started writing these down and really reflecting and meditating on all that, oh my gosh, I had a list that was like a mile long. Um, But these are just some of the biggest and the ones that just, I don't know, I felt called to share. So um, yeah, so, and I'll say in no particular order. So it's not like, you know, the first one I learned when I was 20 and so on. It's just, this is just what came out when I, I felt like I needed to share. So let's start with number one. Number one, one of the biggest lessons that I learned, and this was probably early, earlier on in my 20s, yoga is more than poses. I will say it again for the people in the back. Yoga is more than poses. Putting yourself in a bendy shape, doing a lot of chaturangas, you know, sweating and doing poses with your body. Those are yoga poses. Those are the asanas. That is one eighth of what yoga is. And that's how I came into yoga. You've heard me talk about it before, you know, that whole story. I came into yoga as cross training for my sports. I was an athlete all the way through college. I was very good at, you know, manipulating my body, making it strong, um, training it. And I started yoga when I was, I think my first class, I was in middle school. Um, and I was doing this cross training for sports. I wanted a good stretch. I wanted to be flexible. And then I'd roll up my mat at the end and skip out on Shavasana. So I'm a reformed Shavasana skipper. And it's something that, you know, now I joke is one of the most shameful things I've ever done. But it wasn't until, um, well, a few things happened. One, when my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer and she no longer could do, you know, a strong physical practice. And we started to explore some of the softer sides of meditation um, or sorry, the softer sides of yoga like meditation. Um, That was the first time I was really introduced to parts of yoga that weren't just the physical shapes. And not only was it really incredible to see, you know, the, the stuff that my mom would do, meditation, you know, all these kind of gentler, softer practices of restorative yoga, things like that. Um, but it also really then kind of saved me during that time in my life, which was just really hard. And I, I don't know how else to describe it other than, you know, probably one of the most impactful times of my life, but also um, one of the hardest times of my life. 
And I started to do a little, you know, meditation, working on my stress, my anxiety, things like that, trying to take care of myself while I was also, you know, taking care of my loved one. And um, so that's when I was first introduced to it. But I wouldn't say it was until my 20s when I became a yoga teacher, again, to really focus on the physical. And then um, when I I opened up my own studio and I, I moved to Missouri and I started serving people that they weren't there. They didn't need a hot, fiery power physical practice, right? They, I had a lot of people that wanted to learn about meditation, that wanted to manage their anxiety, that wanted to, you know, manage their their stress. They wanted to learn about, you know, living the yogic life, not just doing the shapes with the body. And that's when I really started diving in and learning about it for myself because I, you know, thought if I'm going to teach my students, I'm going to share this with them. I really need to know what it's about. And I started taking this journey and really learning about the parts of yoga that are not the physical poses. And it really, 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 truly changed my life. And it helped me realize that You know, yoga poses are just putting your body into shapes, but yoga itself, the practice of yoga is the way that you live your life. It's everything that you do. When I am, you know, when I'm speaking kindly to myself, that's the practice of yoga. When I'm being self-reflective, that's the practice of yoga. When I am patient with others, that's the practice of yoga. When I am just stopping and having a moment to breathe, that is the practice of yoga and so many other things. And it, it is everything, every single moment that I'm living and breathing is an opportunity for me to be practicing and living my yoga. And that, of course, then that lesson in particular really set me on this path that I'm on now and, and having this podcast and sharing these things with you and, and hoping to inspire and also share tools with others that are perhaps on that same kind of transformational seeking journey. Um, Number two, this is probably those of you that know me personally or have ever been on retreat or trained with me, you've heard me say this. Number two, don't be afraid to be someone's goat cheese. Let me explain. (laughs) I personally hate goat cheese. I hate it. I hate the way it smells. I don't want to eat it. I've had so many friends. Those of you that are like goat cheese lovers right now, you're like, oh, well, you know, if she tried it this way, you know, this dish that I make it in, this blah, 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 whatever. I promise you, I'd still hate it. There's something about goat cheese. It is literally like the most disgusting, foul, horrible thing to me. And I can't eat it. I've tried so many. I've really, really, really tried to like it. I don't. I don't like it. But I want to tell you more about goat cheese. (laughs) I do not like goat cheese. There are a lot of people out there that freaking love goat cheese. I have friends that probably would like bathe in it every day if they got the chance. And there's some people that just feel indifferent about it, take it or leave it. Just because I do not like goat cheese does not mean that I'm going to go to the grocery store and the cheese shop and demand that it's taken off the shelves and, you know, write emails to goat cheese about how much I don't like it and how it's bad and assume that just because I don't like it and it doesn't agree with me means that it's bad. And what I mean by this, by don't be afraid to be someone's goat cheese, do not be afraid to be the thing that some people just won't like. That is a part of life. That is something that I have been learning probably all the way up until the very last, actually until the very last day of my 20s when I in fact received um, an email from someone that uh, just really did not like me because I pronounced my Sanskrit terms with an American accent and uh, they got really heated about it. Um, And you know what? I was their goat cheese. Obviously, they just don't like it. And I'm okay with that. And to me, not being someone's goat cheese is basically accepting the fact that I'm not going to please everyone. I will never, ever, ever be able to please everyone. There are billions and billions and billions of people on this planet. 
Now that it is starting to warm up outside, I feel like these warmer, sunnier days, they're just like calling to me. I want to be outside. I want to be busy. I want to be doing things. And I am so glad that when I'm feeling that energy and I want to go and do that I have factor right there in my fridge so that I don't have to worry about tons of prep for food, big messy meals. I don't have to think about like, oh, what am I going to feed myself this week. It's all done for me with Factor. And thanks to Factor's fresh, never frozen meals that are dietitian approved, they're just ready to eat in two minutes. So no matter how busy I get, no matter what the kids have going on, no matter what is on the calendar this spring and summer, I have nutritious, great tasty meals ready to go. And with over 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. I've been loving those add-ons personally. Like you have everything from breakfast to dessert and you can stay fueled with these easy nutritious options. You all know my husband likes to take them into the hospital. I like them for those busy days where I'm on the go with the kids and I can treat myself to these restaurant quality meals in just two minutes. And we're talking really great ingredients here like blackened salmon, yes please, and all of that without shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. So head to factormeals.com slash inminutes50 and use code inminutes50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code inminutes50 at factormeals.com slash inminutes50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. They will never all love me. They will never all like me. They will never all accept me. And that is okay with me. And I absolutely understand that to some people. I'm their goat cheese. And you know what I do with goat cheese? I just don't buy it and I just don't eat it, right? I'm not mean about it. I'm not sassy about it. I don't try to convince everyone that goat cheese is the worst thing ever, ever, ever. I just don't eat it. And I mean, my hope is that if I'm someone's goat cheese, they'll just, you know, choose not to (laughs) consume the kind of stuff that I put out there. And that's absolutely fine with me. And if me sharing what's written on my heart and being authentic and doing what I really feel like is coming from my true self, if that just happens to be someone's goat cheese, that's okay. And that was a really hard lesson to learn that I, you know, I, of course, we all want to be liked. I would love to be liked. I would love to, you know, have a lot of people like me. Um, But that's just not how it works. And for some people, you will just be their goat cheese. And that is okay. And it's okay with me. And something that kind of is tied into this lesson is I realized quite a while ago, right around the time I was starting my business, that in order to free myself from the judgment of others and kind of free myself from that worry that, what if someone doesn't like me or, you know, what if they think I'm bad or whatever it is, the only way I could free myself from their judgments was to first free myself from my own judgments and that I had to start seeking validation from within and not basically, you know, from the world around me. So what I mean by that is when I first started my business, I had a lot of people telling me that it was a bad idea. It was a dumb idea. It was a mistake that, you know, I should basically use my time better, go after a real job. You know what, you know, how embarrassing to have a college degree and then just help people stretch all day, right? These are things that legitimately people very close to me, um, you know, even people kind of within my family circle uh, said to me. And it really, really, really hurt. They thought they were trying to basically save me from public humiliation and failure. Um, even though, one, 
not really their place, which I guess is another lesson that I learned is like, if someone is trying to stop you from your dream, it might be because, you know, they've always regretted the fact that they never chased theirs. Um, But what I had to learn in that time, and I, I reflected on why it hurt so bad when people were saying these things, and I realized it was because deep down, I kind of thought those things too. I thought there was a sliver of truth in there that maybe it was a mistake. Maybe it was a waste of time. Maybe, you know, I would really flop and that that would be embarrassing and hard. And, you know, I'd pour all my money into something and then just have it flop. And it wasn't until I realized that the reason that those people's comments were sticking to me was because I felt like there's a little bit of truth in that because I was judging myself feeling like maybe I wasn't good enough and I couldn't do it. And the moment that I released myself from my own personal judgments, everyone else is no longer stuck. And that was so life-changing for me because then there's so many other things where if I just return back to, you know, myself, which brings me to the other half of that, you know, kind of don't be afraid to be someone's goat cheese, but don't don't seek validation from the world around you. Just seek validation from within. And again, you will never be able to please everyone. There will always be someone that does not like you, does not care for you, does not like what you're saying, doesn't like what you're doing, does not like what you're putting out there in the world. You are their goat cheese and that is okay. When you are trying to seek validation from the world around you, you have so, so, so many people that you're kind of counting on to then be that litmus test as to whether you're doing well or you're doing it right or you're you're good or whatever it is. When you shift that perspective and you begin only looking for validation within, you now only have to please one person and that's it. You do not have to please the millions of people, you know, that are around you or the billions of people that are on this globe. You only have to be able to look yourself in the mirror at night you know, for me, it's I'm brushing my teeth, looking myself in the mirror, looking myself in the eye, asking myself, am I happy with the person that I am? Am I happy with the choices that I made? Did I feel like I did my best today? Am I trying my best to be a good person? And if those are all yes, then great. Then I have the approval and the love and the validation of just that one person instead of constantly trying to change myself and, and, do things that aren't me to seek the validation of others and that really really changed me and changed the way that I that I lived my life and I I spent so much time as I'm sure we all do at some point especially you know in your early 20s and you just you just really think especially as a woman right you just want people to like you you just want to be a pleaser and it can be soul sucking and I've I've just kind of stopped doing that and I've just started seeking the validation within and speaking what was, you know, in my soul and not being afraid to be someone's goat cheese and that really has given me so much freedom in this life and releasing the judgments that I held on myself and then those judgments from other people then no longer stuck. So, number 3. If no one believes or wants to invest in you, believe and invest in yourself and that is plenty. If you're being called to do it, do it, and it is worth your time, it is worth your belief, it is worth your investment, all of your investment, I'm talking time, it is worth a financial investment, it is worth, you know, if you believe in it, even if no one else believes in it and no one wants to invest in you, believe and invest in yourself and that is enough. I learned this particularly, um, well, I can act, I can remember, I was 26 years old and I wanted to do my first yoga teacher training. And the reason that I did it, my first 200-hour teacher training, the reason that I did it was because I had a lot of people asking me to do it. And I had a lot of fear. And I thought, okay, um, 
what if I'm not good enough, right? This kind of goes into the the goat cheese thing and the validation, you know, what if I'm not good enough? What if I can't do it? Um, but I had a lot of people saying, Kelly, we want, we want to take this course from you. We want, we want to learn it. And, um, so I finally decided I was going to take the leap and I was going to offer this course. And I did ask someone, um, it was very expensive to do that first course. Um, I'll just be completely honest. It's, you know, the cost of materials, registering with the OL Alliance and all these things, you know, it was not to mention the time that went into creating the curriculum, the manual and all these things. I asked someone to invest in this course um, to help me get it off the ground. And then they would in turn then, of course, you know, get a return on their investment. And um, this individual told me, he said that, you know, he thought that it was not a smart investment and, you know, that he he wouldn't be able to um, to do that. And, and I complete I said, okay. And I, you know, I respected that. I'm certainly not going to tell anyone what to do with their money. Um, but I decided that this was something that I wanted to do. And I had this dream and I worked my butt off and got the money together and did the course. And I invested in myself and I believed in myself. And to this day, that is probably the most successful training that I have ever had. And you know, that person didn't think it was a smart investment because they didn't think I would have anyone enroll. And I ended up having 22 people enroll. And then that person came back once they realized the success of that course, primarily, you know, for this person, the financial success of that course. And then all of a sudden they wanted a piece of the pie. And I told them exactly what I'm telling you. And I said, I said, I gave you the opportunity to invest in me, to invest in my dream and to believe in my dream, and you chose to pass. Therefore, I chose to invest in my dream and to invest in myself. And so, you know, this basically, this this was a smart investment for me. You couldn't see that investing in me was a smart choice, but I did. So I chose to do it. And I, you know, when that person did not get a piece of the pie because they didn't believe in me. They didn't put anything into it. You know, I did. And I really learned this lesson the hard way in which if I really believed it and I really wanted to do it, it is always worth my investment and it is always worth, you know, even if no one else believes in you, believe in yourself. And that sounds so cliche, um, but that was just a time in my life that really just changed everything for me. And I thought I was so scared and I thought, you know, I'm putting all this money out there and I'm putting myself out there all this time, you know, this and that. And what if it fails? And and it was scary and it was really hard, but I knew deep down that I could do it and that I wanted to do it and I was going to absolutely give it my best bet. And that truly was one of the best decisions that I ever made and it started the trajectory that I'm on now and then stepping into, you know, all these different trainings. If I never would have invested and believed that I could do it that very first time, I would never be here with this podcast. I would never be here, you know, telling you about the courses that I'm running this summer. And I went from, you know, a one 200 hour teacher training to offering it, you know, again and again and again, and then doing meditation teacher trainings and yoga nidra and restorative and all of these things. And I just had to start somewhere and get past that fear and realize that my dreams were worth my belief in my investment, even if no one else felt that way. So if there's something that you're dreaming of and you're thinking of investing of, if you really believe it, it's absolutely worth your time, your belief in your investment. Uh, number four, your body is worth more than a number on a scale or the size of your jeans. I have had such a rough and long and hard battle with um, my body and accepting it and loving it and appreciating it. And um, actually part of the reason 
one of the biggest things that helped me fall in love with my body um, was the practice of yoga, the physical practice of, of yoga and learning how to kind of work with my body instead of constantly fighting it, right? And looking at it like, you know, my body is kind of this beautiful, strong ally. It's not the enemy here. And after years of just struggling, you know, with body image and weight and taking things way too far and, you know, restricting myself a lot um, in terms of what I was eating and having my weight fluctuate and at one point, you know, becoming very thin and doing that in a way that, you know, it wasn't just natural healthy weight loss. It was really kind of pushing the limits. It was exercising for hours a day. It was obsessing over every little thing that I put in my mouth. And it was a battle that I am sure so many of you listening, you know what it is. And it's something, you know, there's something about our society that just teaches us that we should be battling our bodies instead of, you know, accepting them for the wonderful, beautiful gifts that that we have. And that's something that I struggled with for a really, really long time, but is also probably something that when I reflect back on the last decade, I feel really proud of um, for for ending those behaviors and for, um, you know, uh, accepting my body and for loving it and, you know, doing the hard work, doing the internal work, doing the therapy, doing all of the things and overcoming what felt like basically a lifelong battle of hating my body and hating the way that I looked and what I weighed and all these things and reframing this idea that somehow my value was tied to a number on a scale or my value was tied to, you know, how, you know, whether or not my thighs touched. And so it's something that was probably one of the absolute hardest and some of the deepest, darkest, most miserable parts of my 20s were those times when I just even though maybe I looked the best, you know, based on whatever, these stupid standards that society says, even if I, you know, quote in quotation marks, you can't see it, looked my best and everyone was telling me how great I looked, I felt horrible. I felt like garbage. I was, I had no energy. I was cranky. I was filled with all this self-loathing and all of these things. And it, I, it took me the majority of my 20s to combat that and to not only recognize that what I was doing wasn't good and healthy and honoring and loving of my body of this this vessel that carries my soul and it just was hard I don't know it I don't know how to say it other than it was so hard and painful and like gut-wrenching and one of the hardest things I've ever done and the fact that I was able to stop those habits and to you know get to a place of balance and harmony. And of course, you know, I always have my moments, you know, we all do. It's not just like, you know, one day you, you just wake up and you have this great relationship with your body. You still don't have your moments of thinking, you know, this or that. And, and something that, you know, I've, I've really been revisiting this idea a lot lately, um, now that I'm pregnant and my body is completely changing and it's pretty much, you know, out of my control and just everything is changing. And if, if you've ever been pregnant or known someone, I mean, it really is kind of unreal um, how your body changes without, you know, just completely out of your control. Your body goes into autopilot and it's doing what it needs to do to grow and to nourish this baby. And sometimes it's hard because, you know, your, your body does change and you, you gain weight and the clothes you used to wear, they don't fit anymore. And especially for someone that's really struggled with that in the past, it can be kind of triggering and, and tricky, um, you know, when you experience it anytime, but especially, you know, a time like pregnancy where it's, you know, out of your control and it's just going to keep happening. And, uh, but I say that, and it's kind of been on the forefront of my mind now because of the changes that I'm experiencing within this pregnancy. But 
also the way that I'm reframing it, and this is such a difference between, you know, you know, me at the beginning of my 20s versus, you know, now right at the beginning of my 30s, the way that I think about it is I would have fought my body. I would have thought of my body as the enemy and I would have just really, really probably gone to a deep, dark place. But now not only have I learned to kind of accept the change and ride the wave and but I've also really learned to kind of appreciate and wonder at the amazing things that my body can do even before I was pregnant. You know, not only am I growing up a human in me, which is kind of just like just blows my mind when I think about it, but my body is not the enemy here. And it is something that is just, it truly is the vessel for my soul. And it's, you know, it's healthy and it's whole. And it's something that I should be thanking every day and being grateful for and, and having that mindset shift has really changed kind of the relationship that I have and and it's made it easier although certainly not you know completely easy um of course you know like I said I still have my moments but being able to accept the changes that are happening in my body now um and it was really because of the work and this lesson that I learned in my 20s of my value is not tied to a number on a scale or is not tied to someone someone's idea of what a body looks like and that it's really just, you know, again, I just have to look for that validation within. And, and yeah, that's really, you know, that's probably, it's a huge lesson that I learned in my 20s. And I think it's, it's something that I know a lot of us struggle with, regardless of, you know, who you are, what size you are, what you look like, whatever it is. It's, it's really hard. And we're just kind of raised to like, treat our bodies as the enemy and this thing that, you know, we should be changing and sculpting and getting just right. And there's always something wrong with it. Oh my gosh, I, you know, <laughs> Who knew there could be so many things wrong with your body, right? Just go on the internet and all of a sudden, you know, you'll learn that basically everything's wrong about it. And that's just a lie. That's a huge, fat, giant lie. And something that I worked on for my whole 20s and the lesson that I learned is that it's just, you know, you don't have to fight your body. You can become friends with it. You can honor it. You can celebrate it. You can, you know, you can love it. So number five, there's always something to be grateful for and say thank you often. This is something that I learned, um, I don't even know when, I can't even tell you when. At some point in my 20s, um, I learned that there's something to be grateful for and it's something that I've returned to a lot and the fact that even in your deepest, darkest, hardest days when literally everything is going wrong, maybe you've experienced trauma and tragedy and it it feels like everything is just wrong and there's no point in going forward, you can always find one thing to be grateful for and even in the deepest darkest hardest parts of my life just being able to find just that one thing that I can be grateful for and and total honesty a lot of times it's been my dog Mila and I know that that sounds silly but even feeling like just everything is wrong nothing's going right just being you know in the deepest darkest things of self-loathing being grateful for the fact that I had her just to pet and to hug and to kiss was enough And there is always, always, always something to be grateful for. And if you can still find that one thing to be grateful for, all hope is not lost. And that's something that even on my worst days, I return to that. What can I be grateful for? Even if it's just the fact, you know, I'm alive or I have a home to live in. I have an awesome, huge, giant, sassy, fluffy dog to hug and, you know, sob into her fur. There's always something to be grateful for. And it just really helps to change your perspective. And then also say thank you often. That I've been thinking about a lot recently. Um, 
and I feel like towards the end of my 20s, I feel like I said thank you a lot more at the beginning of my 20s, especially when I was really working and, you know, building and um, collaborating with a lot of people and, um, you know, asking for a lot of help with my business. And then I recently kind of thought about it and felt like I wasn't really saying thank you enough. And it's not because there aren't, you know, people around me that aren't still helping me and doing wonderful, great, helpful things. I just kind of fell out of the habit and I started thinking, oh, well, you know, because I wasn't directly asking people for help as much, it doesn't mean that there's not people to thank. And so something that I learned kind of in my late 20s is to say thank you often, to thank people for their help, whether it's direct or indirect, right? And you're never really doing anything 100% on your own. And there's a lot of people probably around you that deserve to hear you say thank you and just try to do that more. And it's something that I think has really helped my relationships. Um, It's something that has really helped to kind of like humble and ground me of, you know, who, who do I need to thank right now? a lot of people like for example I often think about how as cheesy as it sounds like I need to thank each and every one of you like if you are listening to my voice right now like I truly genuinely want to thank you for listening to me and for giving me this space to share what's written on my heart and share my meditations and you know then for sharing that with the people around you and just being so wonderful and kind and there's so many people you included that deserve my thanks And I've just been reflecting on that more and trying to say thank you more. So something that I learned is just say thank you often. Number six, question everything. Never stop learning and say yes to as many new experiences as you possibly can. I honestly, truly, genuinely feel like a huge part of the reason why I I didn't feel like I was having a crisis going into my 30s was because, you know, like I said, like I felt like I really lived my 20s to the fullest. And the reason that I, that that happened was because I said yes to a lot of things. I said yes to things that scared me. I said yes to new experiences and I never, ever stopped learning. And if something, you know, even sounded interesting or I thought, oh my gosh, uh, oh, I don't know if I can do that. Right. And then I I would think, okay, well, but I'm going to give it a shot. And that led me down so many different roads, you know, some were, some were fruitful and maybe worth it. Some maybe not so much. I mean, they're all worth it because it, it, helped me grow and helped me, you know, see more people. I could think about travel a lot, you know, meeting people that were different than me, seeing different places, being able to broaden my horizons, um, collaborating with people that that maybe I never collaborated before, having uncomfortable conversations, doing things where I kind of felt like a fish out of water. These new experiences, absolutely, I mean, those in and of itself, I mean, I could come up with a hundred things I learned for each one. Like, saying yes to to new experiences and things that are scary do that and don't stop doing that then also never ever ever stop learning that's something that I truly believe in something that I learned I remember I was in my yoga teacher training and someone said you know uh, I don't even remember what we were talking about I just remember this one thing that's always stuck with me and my teacher said the moment you think you know everything you know nothing never stop learning, never think you have all the answers, never think you, you know, you know it, you've, you've cracked the case, you know the secret of the universe. You're always a student. Even if you still are a teacher, you're still a student. You're maybe just a little bit further along on that learning journey than those that you're teaching, but never, ever stop learning. And then question everything. And I really mean it. Question 
everything. This is one that, you know, question, question, question. So don't take anything as a good enough answer unless you really experienced it and believed it for yourself. So even if, you know, your parents have always said, well, you know, this is just the way that we do it or society has said, oh, well, you know, this is what you're supposed to look like, whatever it is, question that. Don't accept that as the truth. Don't accept that that is, you know, even if it's someone else's truth doesn't mean it has to be your truth. And question, you know, ask yourself those questions. Well, what do I really believe? Or why? Why is it that it's always done this way? You know, why do I think that? Or what do I really want? How do I feel about that? Ask yourself these questions. Question everything. This is something that I'm sure, you know, I I know my, my husband finds this annoying sometimes because he's like, well, you're always questioning things. But to me, that's just part of my process and it helps me to understand. And questioning things, you know, and just saying, well, why? And then I do that so that I can kind of come to my own conclusions about it and to not assume that just because it's someone else's truth that it's kind of like, you know, the truth, right? And then also accepting the fact that just because it's my truth doesn't mean that it's the truth or everyone else's truth. And so always having that like questioning lens and an inquisitive mind and questioning everything, I feel like is one of the things that I did in my 20s. And a lesson that I learned is don't kind of just accept things for the way that they are, just question everything. And that it really, um, you know, it made me uncomfortable at times. It made me really question who I was, what I believed, the people I was surrounding myself with, all of these things. And the only reason that I did that was because I questioned it. And I didn't just comply and say, well, you know, this is the way that that we do things. I mean, even right now, if you're listening to this in real time, right, there's so much probably about yourself and about society and the people that you're around that you could be and should be questioning, just like I am too, right? There's a lot that I've been reflecting on and questioning right now. And, you know, especially living in Minneapolis and, um, you know, you don't necessarily have to broadcast that whole journey, but question everything why why do I think that you know how did I come to those conclusions why is this happening how am I contributing to this right these are the questions that you should be asking yourself all right number seven do the thing that scares you and ask is this fear keeping me alive or keeping me from living so that last bit is the fear keeping me alive or keeping me from living that's one from one of my absolute favorite books the yamas and niyamas by Deborah Adele um And she, you know, basically the idea is that fear is important, right? There are fears that absolutely keep us alive. My fear of um, sharks is legitimate because if I just went up and tried to swim with them all the time, I'd probably get eaten, right? That's, that fear is, is keeping me alive. I have a fear of fire, right? Because if I did and I thought, oh, this thing looks warm and fun, I'll run into it or whatever it is. That, that fear is keeping me alive. Those fears are legitimate and they're usually a lot fewer than the fears that are keeping you from living. So fears that are keeping you from living. I'll just share my own personal fears that I've had in my 20s that kept me from living. A fear of not being good enough, a fear of failure, a uh, a fear of, you know, what will other people think, a fear of um, basically, you know, what if I'm not smart enough, pretty enough, knowledgeable enough, you know, basically what if I'm not enough, Um, a fear of, you know, what if I say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, a fear of, you know, well, what if it's, you know, what if it's not, not what I expected? Um, so many different fears that I've had. And basically a lot of them fear down, you know, boil down to a fear of failure, a, feel, a fear of not being enough, a fear of not being liked, um, and just a lack of belief in myself. Those are fears that keep you from living. 
right? That thing where, and I hear this all the time from people that are thinking about going on a retreat with me, but they're afraid because they've never traveled outside of their maybe home state or home country before. That is absolutely a fear that's keeping you from living. And that's what I tell them. I say, that's a fear that's keeping you from living. I'm not going to let anything happen to you. You're going to be with me the entire time. You know, I'll hold your hand on the airplane if I need to, right? Like that is a fear. They're holding themselves back from something that they've been dreaming of doing for years often. And it's 100% of fear that's keeping them from living. It's not keeping them alive. And so when fear comes up and it's going to because fear is important, ask yourself, is this fear keeping me alive or is this fear keeping me from living? Absolutely honor the fears that are keeping you alive. Those are very important. Honor those. Throw the fears that are keeping you from living, throw them out the window and do it anyways. Do the thing that scares you. Every single thing that has ended up being good and important and, um, you know, contributed to my growth as a human always started out as a fear. Always, 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 always. And if something scares you, that's an opportunity to dig a little bit deeper and to dig beneath the surface and think, you know, why is it? Why am I so afraid of this thing? And then you just do it anyways. All right. Number eight. The way that you treat others is a direct reflection of how you treat yourself. All actions, good and bad, create a ripple effect. I have to say, I am not proud of the person that I was in my early 20s, and especially the way that I treated other people. Um, You know, others may disagree, uh, or they think, oh, you know, you weren't a mean person or whatever, but reflecting back on it, I just feel like I was gossiping a lot. I felt like, you know, basically because I was in a dark place, right? So the way that you treat others is a direct reflection of how you treat yourself. I could not truly share kindness and love and compassion with others until I began to share that with myself. And that didn't start happening until probably my late, like mid to late 20s. So my early 20s, like I was hurting on the inside and people who are hurting hurt others. And I just think back on, you know, lots of little things too, like, you know, little jealousies or little comments or gossips or whatever it is. It was 100% had nothing to do with those people and had everything to do with me. I was hurting on the inside. And so I was behaving in a way that, that could, and sometimes was hurtful to others. And, and I'm not proud of it. I'm not happy with that. Um, I feel really bad about it. And it's something that, you know, it wasn't until later when I was really doing a lot of this work as to maybe why I felt so unhappy and so just unfulfilled and broken that I really started to recognize how I was projecting that onto others. And not only did it then change the way that I interacted with others, because once I kind of learned how to love and have compassion and kindness towards myself, then I could then give that to others. But it also allows me now to have compassion for those that are maybe struggling and hurting themselves. So those people that do things that are unkind or hurtful, and I'm not talking about people that are in any way, you know, abusive or like deeply harmful to you. Do not make excuses for those people. Do not let yourself be in situations that are abusive and harmful. That is something completely different. I'm talking about, you know, maybe that person like, like, you know, I said earlier in the episode, right? I started to recognize that the people that thought they were, quote, you know, saving me from failure by following my dream, they were actually being a little bit triggered by me because they never had the courage to follow their dream. And maybe they felt, you know, unfulfilled in their careers or they felt like, you know, no one believed in them. And so it was hard for them to then show the support for me. And, you know, or those little things or that person that just doesn't 
you know, treat you like an adult, you know, because they just, they have this fear of control and they want to control everyone around you. And those kinds of people, right, are just the person that's just like not always super nice or something good is happening in your life and they always just have to say a little kind of mean little and just jab or dig at you to kind of try to take some of that joy away. Once I kind of recognized that in myself, it was a lot easier for me to recognize it in other people and have compassion for those people and realize that really those little comments, those things, you know, whatever it is, it it didn't have anything to do with me. It was just their own hurt on the inside. And then I just could kill them with kindness and love because I know what it's like to be that person. I knew what it was like to be there. And, and I just think, you know, if that's the way that they're speaking to me, I can only imagine the way that they speak to themselves and it allows me to have a lot more compassion for them and not take those things personally. Um, if there are two things that are for certain in my life right now, it is that one, I'm really trying to prioritize the food that I put in my body because I know what I feed myself. I end up feeding baby Poppy. And two, I do not have a lot of time. And even if I have aspirations of having these great balanced meals, sometimes I just do not have enough time to follow through on that, which is why I'm so happy that I have discovered Factor. And Factor makes these delicious, ready-to-eat meals. They're fresh, they're never frozen, they're chef-crafted, dietitian approved and they're ready to eat in just two minutes. So they are perfect for me on those really busy mom days when both kids are going crazy, and they're perfect for my husband when he has long shifts at the hospital. He doesn't really get a meal break, so he can just pop one in the microwave, and it's ready in just two minutes. And I love that they are no fuss, no mess meals, and they're good. They're really good. Plus, you can customize your weekly meals with flexibility so you can get as much or as little as you need. We need different amounts on different weeks, and so this is perfect for us. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunches, snacks, beverage. So it really is just perfect for us. So head to factormeals.com slash inminutes50 to use code inminutes50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. That's code inminutes50 at factormeals.com slash inminutes50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. And then I think a lot about how my actions, good and bad, create a ripple effect. So I think every single action, every single little thing, it's like putting a drop in the water, you know, or a drop of water um, that will create a ripple effect. So a long, long time ago at the beginning of this podcast, I shared a little freeform episode um, where I talked about spreading kindness daily. And I talked about this thing that I still think about all the time and basically that I'm moving through my life kind of like a slug, leaving this little trail of goo behind me and there's so many people that will kind of walk through my past trail of goo um, and it'll get on their shoes and it'll stick to them. And basically I get to choose is that trail of goo going to be one that's, you know, kind and positive and uplifting or is it going to be one that's mean and unkind and, you know, negative. And it's 100% my choice. And once I realized that every single one of my actions had, you know, caused a ripple effect, some bigger, some smaller, but every single one causes a ripple effect and that it was completely up to me and my choice to decide whether that ripple effect was going to be a positive one or a negative one. Um, It not only made me think so much more about what I was doing and what I was saying and how it was impacting others, um, but it really kind of shifted my focus on how can I be sending out a positive ripple effect instead of a negative one. So that's definitely something that I that I learned in, in my 20s and that I hope to take into and continue into my 30s. 
Number nine, ask and you shall receive, although it may come in a surprising package. This one took me a while. I have always, the universe pretty much always gives me what I ask for. Um, And a lot of times it's not exactly the way that I asked for it. I have to look for it in surprising packaging. Also, you know, it may not be that, uh, it may not be that pretty, you know, kind of be careful what you ask for sort of thing. Um, But if you ask, you'll get it. And you need to remove expectations as to necessarily how you'll get it. Um, And this is something that I just have learned time and time again. And now that I'm looking back on it, now that I, I realize that and I've learned this lesson, you know, so many times I felt like, oh, why, you know, universe, like why are I'm asking for this thing? I'm asking for this thing. And it's like, it was giving it to me just in a completely, just in surprising packaging or in, in the, a way that I wasn't quite asking for it or expecting it. And it really just took me a while to open up my mind and to realize that, you know, if I ask for something, I'll get it. So one, be clear and have good intentions behind what you're asking. But two, don't expect it to necessarily come when or how you think that it should. And that's okay. And be grateful for it when it comes either way. And just really be careful what, you know, what you ask for. I always think about this just, this is just a couple years ago, um, before I really just started focusing on my business and I was working other jobs. And um, I really believe that I kind of like Manned my manifested myself into unemployment, and probably for weeks I would just you know lay in bed at night with my husband. I was just complaining about you know I was working so hard and I had all these other jobs and I just wish you know that I was able just to have a business that sustained itself and you know I didn't have to work three other jobs and this and that. Like for weeks I was just griping about this, and then one I'm not kidding you. Like within 72 hours I woke up one day and lost all of my other jobs. I had one where they needed me to work a different schedule that I physically couldn't work. I had another where they just were laying people off. And then my third job, um, they that business was going under. And I lost all three of those within 72 hours. And I realized that I basically had manifest. The universe was giving me exactly what I wanted. I wanted to just focus on my business and I wanted to not be able to have to work other jobs. The universe said, oh, you don't want other jobs? Okay, well, here you go. And then I literally lost all of those jobs within like 72 hours. And at first I was like, oh my gosh, I started to panic, right? Because I basically was unemployed. But then I realized that the universe was giving me exactly what I asked for. (laughs) I just, you know, literally it gave me exactly what I asked for. And I always think about that now. So I'm a little more careful with how I ask. And I kind of think through my ask a little bit more. Um, but I also look out for it. It ended up being a good thing because then I was like, okay, well, this is the opportunity that I was given, um, to really work on my business and to, to double down and, and to make this dream of having a business that, you know, sustains me and my family, um, you know, full time, make that a reality. And I did. But I really learned, you know, that's one that really sticks out in my mind. Um, But I really kind of learned that one the hard way in which I, you know, have to be careful what I ask for, but also that, you know, it might come in surprising packaging. And so I kind of challenge you just to think about maybe where you've gotten some of the things that you've asked for, but it just might have come in surprising packaging. So I try to keep my eye out a little bit more. And then when it comes to me, even if it's not the way that I necessarily, you know, thought it would or kind of wanted to still say thank you for that thing. And then last but not least, number 10, probably what I feel like is the biggest and one of the most important lessons that I learned, um, and that is happiness comes from within. 
So live from your soul and do what feels right down to your core and that you are enough. So this is probably one of the hardest but also most rewarding lessons that I feel like I learned over the last decade um, is if I truly want to be happy, I have to find that within. And the way for me, and again, this is just for me, um, was connecting to my true self, getting to know my soul, and then just living from that soul space, doing the things that felt right and good down to my core. Um, you know, being able to reflect and ask myself, you know, pretty much all of these lessons that I learned, you know, one through nine so far, um, it all kind of led up to happiness comes from within live from your soul. I really believe that the secret to a fulfilling, happy, and harmonious life is to live from the true self, not having to put on masks for different people, not having to change who you are, not having to, you know, do anything that you're not. Just connecting with your soul and sharing that. And, you know, that that kind of all falls into, you know, don't be afraid to be someone's goat cheese, right? My soul is my soul. And that doesn't mean that necessarily everyone's going to like what's written on it and that's fine, right? And, you know, or maybe it boils down to doing the thing that scares you. Like when I'm afraid, I go into that internal space and ask, you know, my true self, ask my soul, my higher self, my guide, whatever it is, um, why am I afraid? And kind of reaching down and asking for courage there. Um, when I release the judgment of others and release looking for validation from people around me and just turned turned inward and looked for validation within me, that was when I was really beginning to start my journey of who am I? What do I want? What do I believe? How do I want to live? And the more that I connected with who I was and my soul and my true self, the easier that became. And now it it's become much easier after a decade of working on this and just being able to, you know, know what is true to my core, my being, my essence, and then just doing those things. So if I feel conflicted, I go, I don't know, should I do this or should I do that? Or even, you know, boils down to when, when I finally felt ready to, you know, not just me, both my husband and I, when, when we felt ready, um, but full disclosure, you know, I, I was the one that took a little more time to be ready. Um, it, it, I had to ask myself, am I really, truly ready for this next role? And I was able to come to a clear conclusion when I was ready for that because I just was asking my soul space and when my soul and I felt ready to take on that role. And there's so many things that just, and I feel like this truly is a lesson that I, I was like, if I could sum up like what my purpose of my 20s was, like it might be this one lesson because so many of the others fall underneath it is that happiness just comes from within and connect to that soul and that true self space and everything becomes so much easier and so much more fulfilling and joyful and all of these things and really the only way that and I I put it last too because it's something that you know now that I feel like I've kind of discovered it a little bit that I need to keep doing it and continuing to strengthen that and continuing to build that relationship with my true self and and you know sharing it and you know not being afraid not trying to hide it away I mean I, I spent so much of my 20s trying to hide who I was and instead be who I thought other people wanted me to be and that and I was miserable 
I was so miserable and I, I felt like I had no guidance and I felt stuck on everything. I didn't know what I wanted, who I was, where I wanted to go, any of these things. And being able to connect with my true self and my soul and then just start asking and living from that space truly changed everything for me. And that's probably one of the biggest and most important and transformational lessons that I learned over the, the past decade. So that's it. Those are my 10 things. See, aren't you glad <laughs> I didn't try to do 30? Wow, we would have been here for forever. Um, if you're still listening, I really, really, really deeply appreciate you listening to this and keeping in mind that these are just my personal lessons and my personal thoughts. Um, you know, and I'm, I just wanted to be open and vulnerable and honest with things that I've learned from the past decade. Um, and yeah, and I just hope that you will be kind about it (laughs) Um, and know that if you are feeling the way that, you know, I was really feeling with some of these lessons and a lot of times I only share the tough stuff and the dark stuff because I also, I know I'm not alone in this and if you're listening to it being like, well, I'm struggling with that or, you know, I feel like this or whatever it is, you are not alone and do not give up on yourself and do not give up on your journey and you, you are so worth your investment and your belief and your love and you deserve to be able to look yourself in the mirror and in the eye every single night and be happy and fulfilled and proud and love the person that you see. So that is that is it. Probably it was my most uh, personal <laughs> episode ever. Um, and yeah, I think I... <laughs> That was a lot. Maybe I need a little nap now. Uh, We shall see. But I will see you on Sunday. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for just being so kind and wonderful um, to me always. And I'd love to have you in a training so you can check out the show notes. Um, Yeah, that's it. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day.